0: This is a special presentation of the ACC Basketball Degenerates podcast. It is a special guest episode. We're glad to be joined by Gus Kearns of Screen the Screener podcast and our topic is going to be mid-majors. Taylor, before we dive in with our guests on the line, can you go ahead and give us some information of how you can listen, how you can download, how you can subscribe to this podcast, or contact us if you want to get in touch.
1: Absolutely. Please uh, subscribe to us on iTunes or your listening platform of choice. Like, review, all that good stuff. Just smash those buttons. Also, you can follow us on Twitter at ACCBballDegens. Send us some notes, some questions, feedback, whatever. ACCBballDegens at gmail.com. And then, you know, we've heard some uh, listener feedback that we are not very active on Facebook. So we're trying to get better, making a little push. Go we're like trying. and subscribe to our Facebook page, facebook.com slash Uh, You know, just... Just help us get the word out.
2: Facebook, really? Guthrie needs his own Snapchat profile. That's what we need. That solves all of our social media woes.
1: That's all
0: our sponsor was as well. We've we'll we got
2: some sponsors. They'll be
0: here. Soon oh, we'll yeah. be hawking diet teas on Instagram. Yeah,
2: let me tell you, I got a Bolivian sports book that's ready, ready to jump <laughs> Pull the, the trigger, ready, for ready for to pull yeah. the trigger. <laughs> exactly.
1: Literally and physically and metamorphically.
2: Yeah, absolutely.
1: Excellent. Well, all the people are on Facebook, according to knowledgeable parties. So they want to hear about it. We're making a push. Like and subscribe on Facebook. Well, we are honored to have our
0: second guest of the season on the podcast. This is the ACC Basketball Degenerates podcast and did a home-and-home with this fine gentleman. And our conversation is going to be centered around mid-majors giving the lifeblood of college basketball. Vegas Mike Jaffe, this is something that's dear to his heart. He's going to run point with this conversation and the questions along with Taylor. I'm going to step aside. I had a great time chatting with Gus Kearns, who is our guest on the line with us of the renowned College Basketball Podcast, Screen the Screener. So give them a follow at S-The-S-Podcast. And also subscribe on iTunes or all the other platforms
3: to the podcast. Gus, great to have you with us on the line. Thank you for your time. Uh, Honored to be with you guys. Thank you, Luke. Thank you, Taylor. Thank you, Vegas Mike. And thank you, listeners, for putting up with your second guest of the season. I'm honored to be the second guest and be in the two-hole.
2: Oh man, absolutely! You're you're our contact hitter. You're gonna everything we throw at you. You're just gonna be slapping the ball around. It's gonna be great. He's
0: are shooting guard also. <laughs> yeah, also a shooting guard. guard. Yeah, it's that That makes
2: sense. That makes sense. All right. So, anyways, I you know one of the things that's always fascinated me, Gus, is just the sheer volume of basketball out there. You know, we have, in the college basketball landscape, we have so many teams out there. How do you, when you're looking at all these mid-majors and analyzing all these teams, how do you digest all that information to, to bring it and condense it down to to a format that your listeners can enjoy and, you know, you know bringing that information to to your listeners in a way that they appreciate
3: Well, I, I think... Let's just start here, right? I think we're all on Quest, aren't we? Mm-hmm. We're on the Quest. It starts with the players. We're always trying to find that hidden gem waiting in some conference somewhere, aren't we? We're all like closet NBA GMs. We're looking for that Kawhi Leonard out west. We're looking for Steph Curry. We're looking for Dame Lillard. We're looking for Giannis's brother, who was at Dayton last season, as a red shirt. And, at, you know, on the bigger scale, we're looking for Klay Thompson at Washington State. We're looking for D. Wade and Jimmy Butler out at Marquette. We're on the search, we're on the quest, and then Mm -hmm. on that quest it brings us to teams that have that like certain vibe and identity that attract us, and that usually is rooted with the coaches, but just the amount of opportunity that exists out there on the college landscape is unlike any other sport that anybody of your listeners will follow, and I think they appreciate that landscape and the broadness of that, and just how hard the quest is to find that player and that team that you love and want to attach to.
2: Yeah, I, th- I think that that's right there. I mean, you know, it's, I think it's in the variety of college basketball teams that are out there, you know, the varieties of styles, the varieties of cultures, you know, within these different teams. I mean, you have things like the Monmouth bench that have, you know, get five minutes dedicated to them on SportsCenter just for being having a unique celebration pattern, you know, like, you know, what other sport in America is like that outside of maybe, you know, Premier League soccer or something like that where you have these you know, highly unique cultures and identities that transcend not only players, but, you know, are ingrained within the schools themselves. So, yeah, I mean, I I think that not only the players, but it's also the cultures of the schools, right? And these these are the stories that we gravitate towards, right, guys? I mean, your listeners
3: know this as well as anybody, but the opportunities that are allowed in the college basketball pathion are just waiting for all of these stories that you mentioned. You mentioned Mama's bench, and we can throw out a whole bunch of other ones that are just waiting to be told. And if we just take a quick peek, I mean, just look at, like, you know, Buffalo and C.J. Massenburg. They Mm -hmm. they have this moment in the non-conference schedule, and then if we fast forward to March, you have, like, that run that always happens with a sub-500 team that makes the run to the conference tournament title game, and then somehow they earn a 16 seed. And then, you know, play it forward, and, you know, <laughs> ACC fans, like, you know. Yeah, know. Like, unfortunately, you're on the other end of the UMBC
2: thing, so it just exists uh, all
3: season. There's no dead time for those stories. Uncalled for. Yeah. That was
2: uncalled for. I, I stand by the Catamounts, I think, would have been an even money uh, team. Yeah, I think they would have been a 12 seed coming coming out of the American East there, and then, you know, having UMBC come out instead and shocking Virginia. I mean, that is that is a story of a lifetime. And I, I'm glad you brought that up because I tried to remind these guys of that you know after that Virginia loss Hmm. I came back from Vegas you know after our first weekend there and I said guys look this was a monumental moment in all of college basketball and um, there were a few uh, long faces here in the studio but you know you're absolutely right that is what defines our sport and uh, it is to be celebrated on all levels
3: Even if it was your team that got burned, I'm with you on that.
2: Yeah, yep. So, so looking looking forward to this year. I mean, you've already mentioned Buffalo. You know, what teams do people need to keep an eye on this year? You know, to to better understand what's coming in March and what's happening right now in the sport that they know and love.
3: Well, I I think that this type of question always leads us to like the next George Mason, the next VCU, the next Butler, the next loyal Chicago conversation. And so we'll just jump right in there, right? So let's yeah. just separate it out. So I got three teams for you guys. Let's call it uh one team's going to grab a game, one team might make it to the second weekend, and this last team might actually make the final four. So the team that I think could grab a game that might be that 15 or 14 seed that is like, "Oh wait, who who did that?" I think you got to look at Cal State Fullerton, I think the Titans. We witnessed like the double OT heartbreak on the road against Arizona State that has NBA talent. And they have guards and wings that are older and are talented. Uh, Kyle Allman, uh, Khalid Amid, uh, Jackson Rowe. All three of those guys can ball out and play. And there's opportunity that awaits on their schedule schedule with St. Mary's, Nebraska, Washington, UCF. So I think if one team is going to grab a game in March, it might be Fullerton. A team that might make it to the second weekend. How about Montana? That roster is loaded loaded with high major talent that transferred there. You got a co that is from Cal State Fullerton, previously mentioned. You got Rory from Oregon, uh, Emmanuel from Oregon State, Dorsey from Washington, and OGwin has been like the life and the vet there that's actually been in the program for the Grizz for four seasons, and he's a senior. Guess what? All of those guys I just mentioned are juniors and seniors. So guess what? That might be the team that plays the loyal Chicago slash George Mason and gets to the second weekend. And how about this for a Final Four team? How about Harvard? Ooh. I think that Harvard might just be that surprise team that has the talent to get to a Final Four. You're always trying to identify that team when you check out your bracket in March and like, all right, what surprise team am I going to pick? You got to pick somebody off the radar. There's going to be a double-digit seed that makes a, makes a run. And here's why I think they might. Because right now they're playing compromise. They're playing without their two best players, point guard Aiken, and the wing Towns. And I got a really cool story. We were kind enough to be joined by David Tannehill, who covers Harvard. And he told me a story out on the street. It's a little bit of an urban legend that the wing, Seth Towns, player of the year in the conference last year, somehow got into a one-on-one game with Jalen Brown of the Celtics. Schooled. Like, won the game outright. Wow. I choose to
2: believe it. Wow. I want outdoor court. I'm really hoping this happened on an outdoor court. Chain <laughs> nets. Chain nets. I, I, I'm
3: thinking it was something like that in Harvard Square or Davis Square <laughs> yeah. up there in
2: Boston. Yeah. So
3: I, I, I think those are my three teams. Let's go Fullerton to grab a game. Let's go Montana to reach the second weekend. And let's go Harvard, Final Four. Let's get the Ivy in the Final Four.
2: Oh, man. It, you know, it's long overdue. I'm, I'm glad you brought that up. As, as an Ivy man myself, I've been uh, – pulling for these for these Ivy League teams for years, I'd hate to see it be Harvard instead of my Princeton Tigers, but you know well, that's fine. We, we got to do what you, we got to do. And then you know Montana last year, I feel like if they played anyone else in the first round besides Michigan, I think they would have they would have made a great run. You know Mo Wagner mm-hmm. ended up being too much for them down the stretch. Um, you know it, it, just just a quality basketball team, someone who I actually thought had a chance, nearly won the first half against Michigan. Um, but yeah, great calls all around there. And you know, I know that another another team that you're high on. I kind of want to stay in the Big Sky here for a second. You know, you you had mentioned you'd mentioned some other guards in 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 your uh, preview recently. Weber State. I mean, what what do you think's going on there? I mean, do you think that their their guard play is is among some of the best in the Big Sky? I mean, you you mentioned some of them in your previews earlier. So I think with
3: Weber, I think I think the 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 case goes like this. I think they're going to have one of the best guards in the in the in the conference in Harding, he just very well might lead the league in scoring. Uh, if he leads the league in scoring, I think there's going to be talk for him for player of the year in the conference in the big sky. But let's not forget, they also have like this interesting wing player in Avricot Chapman, who I think can bring a diverse skill set, shoot it a little bit from the outside, does have some low post moves, and can handle the ball. So that is a unique player in the big sky that is unbelievably guard heavy. If you look at the big sky like this, the first team yeah. all preseason all league is all guards. Yeah. So if you right. have a big that can get something accomplished, I think that makes sense. So I think, yeah, I think, I think, uh, I, I think we're saying is, is in the conversation for sure.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And, and one other thing, you know, we, we talk about guard play and the big sky being loaded, you know, obviously the the flip side of that are, are active bigs and, you know, bigs are a, are kind of a fleeting commodity, obviously, overall in basketball. Um, But I think, you Mm -hmm. know, there are certain bigs within college, I think, that are still able to excel. I mean, you see Azabuki, for instance, putting away Vermont by just being able to kind of be the kind of just a big just being able to be big down low you know obviously anthony lamb is not in a position to guard him last night um you know you've talked a bit about mike dom who i know is not a traditional big he's maybe more of a a new newer style big i mean do you see any other players outside of mike dom potentially cracking that uh first team or not first team but maybe third team all america uh for uh, getting that national recognition out of the mid-majors i gonna it's always
3: tough for these mid major guys to crack that first, second, or third team because of the popularity contest. Let's just call it what it is, right? right. Like you're gonna see these players on television, they're gonna put up points. That team's ranked seventeenth in the nation. That's their leading scorer. He goes on a third team, All America. That's the way it works. So for one of these guys to sneak on, it has to take some sort of monumental season. And by the way, Dom is going to sneak on an All-America team, and he's not sneaking up on anybody. He's going to score 3,000 points in his college career and average over 25 this year. He's not sneaking up on anybody. Yeah. He deserves to be on the first, second, or third team All-America, no doubt. But to get to your question, like some other players, I don't know if these guys are necessarily going to get on an All-America team, but these are guys you want to pay attention to. Number one, let's go to the, uh, let's go to the CAA, Grant Riller, College of Charleston. I think he's one of those players that needs to be in the conversation, and I talked about this over the summer, that he needs to be in the conversation of leading the whole entire nation of scoring. Mm. Right now he's averaging 27.5 points a game, and just wait till he starts hitting a three or two, because he hasn't hit a three or two the first two games that he's played. He hit 39% <coughs> from deep last year. It, I think it, another player... I, oh, wonder, yeah,
2: I wonder if he's even the best player in the CAA, though. You think he's better than Wright Foreman there out of, out of Hofstra? I think, I think that he's... Uh, I thought he was your boy.
3: How about this? How about, <laughs> Two
2: to CAA All-Americans. <laughs>
3: to, to, to win the scoring title in the CAA, you're going to have to score over 26 points a game. How about that? <sighs> Fire. That's nuts. Yeah. Bananas.
2: Yeah. Well, uh, you, can, you can do that when you're playing the James Madison Dukes, you know, and things like that out there. Although, uh, you know, they're, they're a little bit more competitive this year. They're from my hometown of Harrisonburg right now. So I'm trying. I'm like the lone defender.
3: Listen, I'm gonna defend right with you and I'll reveal on the podcast I am a Duke. Oh no I way spent multiple years in Harrisonburg, Virginia as a division one scholarship athlete so i am Whoa. very
2: familiar with the JMU breaking news and,
3: podcast exclusive <laughs> oh. and uh i i was there and shared campus time with lou Rowe. how's that
2: wow wow that that is huge i i did not know that well look man you are overdue for a visit my friend we we need to we need to tear harrisonburg up you know we got a national championship division one double a team um you know and catch a little caa game catch a catch hofstra at home i think this year
3: I am very down with that. That sounds like a great invitation. I'd love to take you guys up on that. But speaking of the CAA, and look, I'm going to give the CAA a little love here. How about Justin Pierce from William & Mary? Dude shot at 46% from three in CAA play. When we talked to Brian Mull on our team preview breakdown, said he had great size, and the one thing that Pierce needs to improve is if he's going to be that lockdown defender on the wing, and he's got plenty of opportunity if he has to guard people like Riller and Wright Foreman out on the wing. I really like him. Uh, I think you got to go take a look at Belmont, Dylan Windler. That yeah. guy can shoot the heck out of the ball.
2: Yeah, While who John can't? Morant, you know, who can't out there? I mean, that's all they do is shoot the ball. One of the best three-point shooting teams in the country last year, and and have just started out on fire this year, haven't they?
3: Coach Bird's is one of the best offensive coaches in the nation. He is criminally underrated, and he puts his student athletes in successful uh, positions on the offensive end and on the defensive end. And you know, John Morant's going to get like a whole bunch of like. Player of the Year conversation, NBA buzz, but it might be like Windler that like just absolutely kills the kills the uh, kills the, the conference. And you know what? I'm gonna liken him to Kevin Herter. You know, how Kevin Herter like somehow snuck in the first round last year. Maybe that's Windler this year. Maybe mm-hmm. he gets a little NBA buzz as a as a scorer and a shooter that can stretch the defense and his multi skills. <laughs> we mentioned we mentioned Lamb before from Vermont. I absolutely love the guy. He totally balled out on preseason national
2: player of the year Lawson. <laughs> he like, did he did he made him look bad last, last night, night. yeah Fantastic. he made him look bad yeah gosh dang 24 points
3: 4 boards 3 assists 2 blocks to zip and pip a donut from Diedrich Lawson <laughs> my He's my
2: guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He came back too late last year. Couldn't quite get his rhythm there before the tournament. You know, looked a little looked a little gassed, you know, in some of those games where he was asked to play big minutes. It's good to see him back this year. It, just what a stud.
1: And, well, Gus, let me throw then, this at you. Go ahead. Yes. Yeah. No, I was gonna say shoot. What's what's the next one? Let, let me let me throw some at you. Just when I think about this, I hate to be the guy to throw cold water on this uh, mid-major party over here. Oh why wow! You Look that? at you. Yeah, but, you oh. know, why, would, why would you do that? I'm to a very that? cynical. We live in a cynical world. <laughs> a Cynical, cynical world. <laughs> Anyways, uh, I you know obviously one of the things. Let's say you're a Syracuse fan. You know they're playing Northeastern. They're playing Buffalo. Could be a tough game. But you know if you're a fan of a big program like that, you're Virginia. You're Duke you see these teams and you think okay that's an easy win you don't really know much about those teams obviously one of the biggest like differences is that just the talent level and specifically the level of athleticism across the board yeah. is just e- it's just more you know at like an ACC school than at your big sky you know you know anything like that so is there a factor that you look for when you're evaluating these teams that sets them apart that gets them over that hoop is it the coaching is it shooting is it you know is there like senior leadership you know that's one of the things that i try and when i'm looking at these games i come to myself and i say oh man i love buffalo and i really like buffalo you know this year but then i get to a game and i'm like well can they like overcome the level of you know the length and athleticism of some of these teams is there one factor that you you look for in that or is it more just like an overall comprehensive look at a team
3: I think we all play this game in March, don't we? Like, when we look at the matchups, we try to find out, like, okay, where can the weakness, where, where's the weakness, where's the chink in the armor for this big team? And then what can the little team, quote unquote, like, take advantage of? I think that makes perfect sense. But here's the thing that you need you need a dude. You need a stud. Like, if you don't have a dude or a stud, then it's going to be really, really hard for you to close that talent gap. The thing that can close that talent gap, especially at the college game, because the college game, let's call it what it is, as much as we love it, it's still a coach's game. It's not a player's game like the NBA. These are two different animals that we're dealing with here if we're talking NBA and college. So there there is a shrinkage that you can have as far as weighing the talent gap if you have a great coach like maybe Coach Bird or maybe Coach Becker up at Vermont. Like, when you have coaches like that that are going to put a game plan in place that are going to exploit the weaknesses that exist on these big teams, even with the superior athleticism, I think those are the two things. You're looking for a stud, and you're looking for a coach that is well-schooled and knows the system and has a history for doing it before.
2: See, this is what I've always liked about Gus. You know, he's he exudes positivity. See, that's what I need in my life, you know? He's a positive guy. He always he puts he talks about coaches putting players in good positions negative old negative nancy taylor over here the skeptic calling out what he calls a small team you know that's just not right you know i think that's that's an old style of thinking that has no place Preach. on this podcast or in the college basketball arena
1: old man shakes fist at cloud that's what i'm doing right now that's me
2: Um, Well, I mean, you did mention that Syracuse-Northeastern game, you know, Northeastern has has started to play well in the CAA. Gus, do you see any other, you know, before we get into ACC play, do you see any any matchups with any of these mid-major teams where ACC teams could be surprised and end up uh, being upset?
3: Yeah, we can start right there. I'm just going to say careful, Syracuse. Yeah. Careful. They return a bunch of starters. They have a point guard who can play. Be careful, especially Syracuse's pace of play. If you're going to limit possessions like they like to do, then you're going to limit your opportunities to stretch this game out and make it, like, ugly late. So careful with that one. I think that one's kind of keep an eye on. That's right, By because way, North-
2: Northeastern just- did come out and beat Harvard uh, just this past weekend, which was a surprise to me um, and I think to to a lot of people around the country, kind of putting people on notice a little bit.
3: A little bit. CAA has got some players. CAA has some teams. I'm with you on that. You know what another one's going to happen? Yeah. Lock it up right now. That Vermont-Louisville game, oh, yes. Oh, yeah. That's, that's trouble. <laughs> definitely going to happen. Yeah, you that's, saw, what they were, it, you that's, saw what they were able to do with the number one preseason team in the country in their home opener. Yeah, they played them even to the half. That's, yeah, they that's this to Friday. Guess what? Louisville's in a little bit of trouble here. They better be sweating this game.
2: Yeah, yeah. You you look at the lineup that uh, Louisville's putting out there right now, and it's not it's not classic Louisville. Chris Mack, you can tell he's still he's still working on it. He's still getting in the groove of uh, you know getting his players to kind of buy in a little bit. At least that's what it looks like to me. Even even King and Sutton, who who looked so comfortable at points last year, looking a little lost, especially with Darius Perry uh, there at the uh, point, just looks looks a little unsettled.
0: And they were really shaky against a really bad. I think nickel that team
2: game. is going to have
3: trouble scoring. I don't think they're gonna have trouble defending. I think Mac is gonna have them sound on the defensive end. I think the troubles they're gonna run into is on the offensive end in late shot clock situations. As talented as King is, I think that they're gonna be a little dis I-, I don't know, I think they're gonna be a little disjointed for lack of a better term. And then I think if we pay attention to one or two other games, I, I-, I think that if Harvard you mentioned Harvard, if Harvard's healthy, and that's a big if with Towns and Aiken, their two best players then that UNC game gets a little bit more shine you know, after the new year. And I think if we're going to pay attention to one, I'm not calling for this upset at all, but I do like the irony and stylistic approaches here between Marshall and UVA on New Year's Eve. Oh yeah, I think that's exactly what every college basketball fan wants to watch. And in March, those are the things that you look for. Is there a team that's going to play completely different from the team that is favored? And is that different in stylistic approach? really going to give them issues. So yeah. that Marshall UVA game is just what we dialed up.
2: Yeah, you got to wonder if someone like Guy has as that game circled, you know, just the idea of going toe to toe with Elmore. Um, you know, two two guys that you know, remind remind me of each other somewhat, you know, just in the in the way that they shoot the basketball, but uh, Elmore just kind of a bigger more physical version. And I wonder if Guy's got that one circled.
1: I think it's great scheduling by UVA. I'm sure they didn't do it for the reasons I'm thinking of, but I think it's great preparation preparation for like facing a team Similar to that style, just getting exposure to it before a single elimination format in
2: mm-hmm, March. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Well, I now, Gus, this is this is a personal journey for me. This whole interview, um, you know, it's it's a big personal moment for me having you on. You know, <laughs> it's a vision quest. it's a vision quest. I, oh. I, a, uh. vision quest. <laughs> I, I mentioned it, uh, you know, off air with you that uh, you know I very I just so respect what both you and Randall are able to contribute um, at the SES podcast. Efficiency of keystrokes. I, I dropped that earlier. I'm dropping now again. Um, but but you know, I, so in honor of just kind of this personal journey that I'm I'm going through, just interviewing you today, I want to talk a little bit about this what I consider to be kind of a a, a monumental moment in mid major tourney success. Obviously, we have the UMBC win from last year, but for me. You know, just one that really defined and kind of captured the imagination of the country was the 2013 Florida Gulf Coast victory over Georgetown. I know now maybe it seems a little bit obscure, but what I'd like to do is kind of...
1: Hashtag Dunk City.
2: Never forget. That's right. That's right. Um, And, you know, there's actually a very interesting side story to that hashtag of Dunk City. There's a long-form article on the now-debunked Grantland, if you're able to... uh, track that down on the internet. I highly recommend it. Um, but what I'd like to do is kind of take that, take that game and take the players involved and some of the um, coaches involved and kind of pull it out a little bit and kind of do a little six degrees of separation and see if it can somehow maybe work our way around kind of an overall preview of the mid-majors. Are, are you okay with that? Will you, will you follow me on this journey?
3: I, I kind of like where this is going. Okay. Now,
2: all, right. all right. That's a good enough start <laughs> good, for <me. laughs> Good to
1: ask for consent
2: before you started yeah. this. That yeah, nice. that's right. That's right. Um, so here we go. Florida Gulf Coast. Now, um, again, this is an ACC podcast, so we're going to try to bring it all home for our for our listeners here. Um, Florida Gulf Coast currently has what I consider to be, you know, or I should say, um, coming from Florida Gulf Coast, is one of the most. Significant transfers in the ACC this year. Zach Johnson. Um, I know mm-hmm. that uh, you and Mike talked about him quite a bit on your podcast. You know, when when discussing uh, Florida Gulf Coast with uh, their Fort Myers beat reporter there. Um, you know, h- how do you feel like Duke Johnson or Zach Johnson's uh, game is going to translate <laughs> to the ACC and how he's going to be able to help Miami overcome the losses of Lonnie Walker and Bruce Brown?
3: Okay, so all of that was perfectly framed. When we talked to Dana Caldwell, uh, when you mentioned and referenced that conversation, we were talking about Goodwin and about the player of the year in the conference. Right. And he mentioned that Zach Johnson just might be better than Goodwin. Mm-hmm. So he loves to take it to the hole. He is like a typical, he reminds me, of, you know, we're up front, you know. For those of you, for those of your listeners that don't know, we're up uh, in the Metro Atlantic area. Like, I'm right outside of New York. He reminds me totally of a New York City guard. Mm. He brings it to the hole. He absorbs contact. He is not afraid to ball out against any level of competition. He is going to be the perfect complement next to Chris Likes. And I think he's going to be a very different type of guard than Miami had last year with their NBA guards of Lonnie Walker and Bruce Brown. I think those guys were more concerned with how their game looked, yeah, and how their game was perceived, yeah. And guess what, Zach Johnson wants to do? <laughs> he just wants he buckets.
2: Wants, yeah, he wants to eat. <laughs> he,
3: wants, he wants buckets, and he wants to dunk it on your head. That's yeah, what he wants. Yeah, that's right. So I think right. he's going to be just the type of guard that Miami wants.
2: Yeah, yeah, I, I like that call. You know, big, strong, physical guard. You know, I agree when you talk about Lonnie Walker and the way that he wanted those optics to appear i think he he wanted to prove that he was a jump shooter at times and i think even in that loyola game he in wasn't. the tournament even in that loyola game in the tournament he i think he took some ill advised jumpers that, that may have cost him the game ultimately but let's go back to that florida gulf coast game and now one of the most uh, pivotal figures in that upset against georgetown in 2013 was brett Comer. all right so this is the guy throwing every lob he really the the man that really brought dunk city to fruition and what i've learned is that brett is now an assistant coach at the dayton flyers you know hired in 2017 great to see him there and and another shout out to the SES podcast um the dayton flyers were were good enough a few years ago to inspire my favorite S.C.S. podcast title, which is "Daddy Wear Scoochie," in reference to the uh, highly <laughs> productive guard Scoochie Smith. Um, you know, a- as the father of a four-year-old daughter myself, I highly related to that. "Daddy wears Scoochie." You heard line. that? So, you hear sh-
1: that
2: sometimes. So, sh- shout out to you uh, for for naming the podcast. That was a great call. But where where do you see uh, Dayton this year? Do you see him competing at a top twenty-five level? And what about these other teams in the A-10? I mean, uh, do you see VCU, St. Louis, potentially return to prominence, St. Bonnie's, You know, where where do you see the A10 shaking out?
3: Uh, good question. And by the way, excellent. Uh, thank you, thank you for the recall uh, of Comer. He was like the Frank Lloyd Wright of of Dunk City. <laughs> he was totally the architect. Uh, he put that thing together. It was unbelievable. I'm so glad to see him back in the game and back on the sidelines. Yeah. And yeah, my da- my daughter actually asked when we were watching a random NBA game, "Daddy, where's Scoochie?" <laughs> And she didn't know if it was NBA or college, but that was so cute we had to put it in there. Um, So I think Dayton might have it roll in the right direction with Anthony Grant. It took a little while, and I think if we're going to pay attention to one player on Dayton and we're going to, like, highlight them, it's got to be Obi Mm Topan. I think that he's one of those late bloomers. He's one of those guys that was, like, a 6'2 guard in high school, and then, boom, he explodes and has a late growth spurt, and he's 6'8 or 6'9. So he has this, like, gigantic frame with these guard skills so i think whenever that like intersection of size skill and growth spurt occur i think that's worth paying attention to uh he's a red shirt freshman so he got his game together last year on campus and i think once josh cunningham is actually healthy enough to play if you can partner cunningham with obi that's kind of dangerous in a league like the A-10. Right. I think,
2: Cunningham,
3: I think Cunningham's like a player of the year, first team, all league type player. And just to expand on the rest of the conference a tiny bit, I think St. Louis is a little dangerous. They yeah. got Isabella transfer for Drexel, average over 20 points a game. You got Jordan Goodwin, who I really liked last year. He's an absolute thief on the defensive end. And then you have the Michigan State transfer, Javon Best, who's a wing. And he was part of that upset team that got upset by that beautiful Middle Tennessee State team so he knows both sides of it. He knows what it's like to be a number one and number two seed, a team that's talked about to win the whole entire thing, Yeah, and then walk away empty-handed first weekend. So mm. I think they have an interesting roster set up. And I think if you don't talk about Davidson and, and, and Grady. It's Davidson's year. I, 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 yeah, I think <laughs> you, you're being silly. And I think he's one of those guys that just might explode and go bananas this year. Uh, that, that, that makes sense too. And I'm going to give you one name a little bit off the radar. How about Duquesne? How about Sincere Carey? How about the freshman point guard leading Duquesne back to the front end, the top half of the conference, and making that program relevant again? Freshman point guard, Sucine Carey. I really like his game.
2: Ooh, I like that. I like that reference. I like, you know, they, they had a tough end of the season last year, but I really like them to turn it around. You know, the A-10 overall, I think it's going to be much stronger. I think it's it's kind of been a bit of a fledgling conference this year, but I think, especially with the Bonnies, it seems like, sadly, potentially having a down year with Jalen Adams leaving, Mobley gone. You know, I think mm-hmm. there's some real opportunity in the A-10. Let and me I, ask you something. I, I'm glad that you brought up Davidson and, and Duquesne. Does yes. that
0: open the door Speaking of return to prominence Hmm. for St. Joe's. Uh,
2: I don't don't know. You guys
3: are not in on St. Joe's this year? Really? Listen, if Charlie Charlie Brown stays healthy, it's a conversation to have. Because he's a baller. He can absolutely ball out. So if he stays healthy, which he hasn't done last season, then I think – you mentioned the door is open and there's opportunity. Why not include them in the conversation of top half of the A10? I think that makes sense.
2: Ooh, maybe maybe a four or five bid league this year. I, I don't know. I I don't know. That's stop. Just stop. It's going to be Davidson. Stop.
0: But yeah, just, just food for thought. Uh, food for thought.
2: All right. I, I'm
3: even I'm even going to say this with my glass half full. Stop it now. It's
2: a little <laughs> <laughs> Oh man. yeah. you just I was hoping I'd get you on board for that. But that's fine. That's fine. 3 league. 3 bit not lead. Not one. Not two. <laughs> not three. Um all right. So going back to the Florida Gulf Coast Georgetown game. Again, a seminal moment. Very important. Doug City everybody. Come on. Everybody's on board. Um the other the coach on the other sideline there. So that's uh my man JT3, John Thompson the 3rd. Uh, referenced on campus, his, his nickname on the campus of Princeton was Junior Junior, uh, for those that don't know. anyways, well, he also he- has
0: a faci- Wait, does he have the facility named after him, or is this his dad? Uh,
2: that's his dad. Okay, yeah, I, right. Unfortunately, they did not name him anything after JT3. It would have been um,
0: funny if they named the facility after JT3 and then fired him. Yeah. That would have been something. <laughs> that that would have been a story of the
2: year. That would have been interesting. But anyways, uh, JT3 was coaching Georgetown at the time, previously was the coach at Princeton. You know, we we talked a little bit about Harvard earlier and I like the I like your pick there for the final four. I I think currently actually they may be 250 to 1 in Vegas to make the final four. I looked that up a few few weeks ago. Um the guys over at uh, Three Man Weave, I think actually one of them had randomly taken a uh, bet on that. So it's it's an interesting thing to check out there if you're checking that out. Anyways, um you know, people associate the Ivy League with kind of this like Hoosiers-era persona style of basketball, right? They associate it with slower, maybe non-athletic uh, players. But, you know, that's just not, that's not the modern Ivy League.
1: Smart dudes who are bad at basketball.
2: Yeah, that's what they associate it with. But you have teams like Harvard, Princeton, and Penn. I mean, do you think that – let's say that Harvard doesn't win the league. First, do you think that they may be unseated by Princeton or Penn? And if they, if they are, is there potential for the Ivy League to be a two-bid league?
3: Oh man, as much as I would love to say yes to that, I just think it's unrealistic. I think they have talent inside the league that could speak to that, but I think realistically, logistically, I don't think that's going to happen. Maybe they're building towards that, but I think with their limitations scheduling-wise, when they're limited to like basically you know, basically two games in 72 hours on the weekend, I just don't think the opportunity currently exists in the ivy construct but let's get into the breakdown a little bit as far as like they're not just smart guys that can play basketball guess what they're smart guys that can ball out right a couple of guys that can ball out matt matt morgan from cornell is nasty if you don't watch a cornell game this year as a casual college basketball fan you're doing yourself a disservice this guy just might end up in the league he's that good he's that good of a shooter he's that gifted I really like Mike Smith from Columbia. He's a little bit of an undersized like, scoring guard, uh, but I-, I don't know if he's going to have any like, you know, NBA pro potential, but he's an exciting guy to watch. Uh, love that he's playing close in the city. And I think if we're going to talk about one other team that you didn't mention, we've got to be talking about Yale.
2: Oh, Yale's man. got
3: some NBA talent on the wing. Uh, they got, they got Mia One, who's definitely an NBA wing on the, uh, on the side that can shoot the three, defend multiple positions, has an NBA-sized frame. Uh, Jordan Brunner, I think, is also like an impactful player, and they have a backcourt that is has some experience with Copeland and Swain. So I think if we're going to look at another team, I think it's one of the other teams that you didn't mention. I think it's Yale.
2: Oh man you know Gus this is why we have you on the pod dude I mean you just you're dropping knowledge your your depth I mean it's it's unbelievable to me I mean just the Rolodex that you're pulling from right now it's just it's inspiring it's an inspiration I'll tell you my three other people in here that are watching me here record with you they're just in awe smiling from ear to ear just looking at my face listening to you I mean that's the kind of joy you're bringing me and the kind of value you're bringing to our listeners
1: I have been pulled to several Ivy League games in Jadwin Gymnasium on the <laughs> campus of Princeton by Mike, uh-huh. and well, I had a great time. <laughs> hey, I mean, I don't have anything bad to that, say about it. I had an amazing time. Yeah, yeah. Well,
0: it's,
2: it's a nice place. But, who, do you, you know,
0: who do you two think is the most oh. undervalued Ivy League? league team this year?
2: I mean, I, I I think that Yale is definitely up there. Obviously, I mean, I think that a lot of people talk about Penn and Princeton. Um, I, I think Princeton's a bit undervalued, but I, I like the idea of not only being undervalued in the Ivy, but the Ivy being undervalued overall. I think that, I think, is a better uh, narrative than yeah, well, which team is And my thought
1: is, you know, it's got to be Penn for me just because among college basketball fans in the general public, they don't have the name recognition of, like, Harvard, Princeton. I mean, Princeton has an offense named after them. At least <laughs> people, like, understand, like, they're sometimes right. good at basketball. Harvard has, like, right. had some success. But Penn is the defending champions, and they're probably, I, I don't even know the lines, but maybe they're, like, the favorites to win the league this year and get the bid. So that's got to be the one that, like, you got to think there's some great value there.
3: Hmm. I'm going, to go with, I'm going to go with Princeton. Princeton has actually some top 100 talent coming in. They have a Canadian, Llewellyn, that's going to come in that can, can ball out. I don't even know if he's starting yet. Once they put him in the starting lineup, I think that totally changes their outlook for the season. And they have some returners that played well out on the West Coast in the non-conference schedule last year. So I think that Princeton, if we're going to like find a team that's undervalued, I think it might be Princeton.
2: Yeah, Llewellyn's the first top 100 recruit they've gotten in some time out there. And I'll be really interested to see how they play Lehigh uh, this weekend. You mm-hmm. know, Lehigh came out – Played Miami, you know, not well, which was a surprise to me. I thought that they played better in that game, uh, but that Lehigh game, I think, will be will be a great early test for Princeton. Um, so sticking take 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 Princeton Prince there. Take Princeton there, right? Take Princeton in the points. Yeah. And I, From
1: your lips to my bookie's ears.
2: <laughs> yeah, there you go. Um, you know, one sticking sticking with the Princeton theme. You know, we caught here through JT three, the former Princeton coach. You know, while he was there, and while we were there together, me and JT three, he coached a young upstart point guard name. His name was Ed Persia, a three point marksman <laughs> out of Beaumont, Texas. I'm, I'm, look, guys, I'm diving deep on this six degrees. Okay? I, I have <laughs> played. A lower
1: I have played some very drunken golf with Ed Persia. Yeah,
2: so Ed Persia, three point marksman out of Beaumont, Texas, went on to play professionally in Italy. For a number of years while in Italy, his roommate was BJ McKee. BJ McKee, who is in the South Carolina Hall of Fame, absolutely bald, outrageous in the 80s, now an assistant coach at one of my favorite mid majors, ETSU. So let's talk a little bit about ETSU and the SoCon. I think the SoCon, and I'm gonna die on this hill. I think the SoCon's a two-bit <laughs> league. I, I I think there's there's great talent there. I'm telling you, Gus, are you with me? Are According you, are,
1: to Mike, the NCAA <laughs> tournament, as it stands today, is Duke, and then every mid-major team that exists
2: in the United States. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. So what do you think? Tell me what you think about the SoCon, and are you on board with me with ETSU and uh, maybe? even Wofford out there.
3: Listen, as far as the Southern Conference goes, as much love as we want to spread on the mid-major landscape and, 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 and spread as much knowledge as we want, all of, these, all of these squads right now are just going to get one bid. But here's what's going to happen in the SoCon. Overall, this league is dangerous, and they have a history, a very, very exciting history in March of pulling upsets. And playing top teams tough, mm-hmm. so whoever pops out of this conference, whether it be your ETSU or whether it be uh, Wofford or whether it be UNCG or whether it be Furman, by the way, that dunk has to be Player of the Year. Oh, so far, it right? has to
2: be! It is the play Optimist. of the year. I mean, yeah. I, I, I mean, feel I feel so bad for the game loyal, uh, the loyal of faithful that were there to see that. My goodness uh that, that down with
3: Gryffindor or something like that. So I, I think what happens here is whoever is gonna pop out of this league is gonna be dangerous and nobody like the one, two, and three seeds are not gonna want to play anybody from the SOCON. You got Wofford that's gonna bring everybody back and has one of the best shooters in the nation in Fletcher McGee and has a whole bunch of complimentary pieces that know their role around him. That's totally dangerous. You got UNCG And all they have is a big shot maker in Francis Alonso, and they have a winner in Troy at the guard position, and they have guys that know what to do to win games, and they don't care what the other uniform says at UNCG. They're just going to ball out and get in your face. And then I think Furman showed out as well. So I think any one of those four teams that are going to come out (laughs) to the SOCON, look out, upper seeds, you're in trouble, you're going to have to game plan. And if you're not in your A game, guess what's going to happen? You're going home the first weekend, no doubt.
2: Yeah, yeah, I'm glad that you mentioned not caring about the name on the jersey for the for the residents of the Socon out there. You know, you saw Wofford play North Carolina tough again I think if Fletcher McGee was on his game just a little bit you know looked a little rusty didn't quite hit all of his shots um, you know I think that that could have possibly been a second win in the row for for Wofford you know UNCG played Gonzaga so tough last year um, ETSU uh-huh. just took Creighton to the brink I thought they were going to win that game um, yeah they they don't care you know they, they're out there competing and and doing everything they need to do to win basketball games. I, I wish them nothing but the best going forward out there in the SoCon. I'm telling you, two-bit league. It's going to happen. <laughs> Maybe not this year, but you know, four or five years from now. Um, all right. So, last kind of closed circle here on on this trip through uh, Florida Gulf Coast uh, glory. Um, you know, <laughs> uh, glory for me at least. Um, you know, so so Persia, as he as he's with Brian er, with uh, B J McKee there in Italy, comes back, ends uh-huh. up taking a job when he comes back from Italy, ends up coaching at. SMU. Now, this is finally a conference where we can maybe all get behind a multi bid. Uh, I've had conference. it circled
1: on our outline so that I can be very optimistic about mid majors right now for this
2: conference. <laughs> I'm ready. So the AAC, I, arguably at least in my mind, the the powerhouse of the mid major conferences overall. I don't know if you agree with that or not, Gus. But what are your thoughts on the AAC and SMU in particular? And um, you know, just what are your overall thoughts on on the league this year?
3: Listen, here's what I'm going to say early about the league. Yuck.
2: (laughs) It hasn't been pretty so far. They cannot get out of
3: their own way. That's what I'm going to say early about this league. But overall about this league, I think – how about this? They have the profile – to be included in the conversation with like the Big East or or somebody else of that nature that might yeah. be like on the outside looking in of like the power five situation right yeah yeah I, I mean they, they feel
2: like they feel like a bunch of big East rejects that's what the AAC you know, feels oh, yeah, like this to is me. the poor
1: man's yeah. a10 slash big e- maybe the a10 is the poor man's big East this is the poor man's Big East or big 12 or whatever yeah, I mean yeah. let's
2: not forget even Louisville after winning their championship had a home in the AAC for all of one year you know it's that kind of conference I feel like they, they, they're strong, but they're, they're not bringing it home right now. Um, you and, know, but anyways, go ahead. Sorry, Gus. No.
3: So what, what I was going to say to break down the conference, I think that there's, there's pieces in place. You have an unbelievable basketball history with Houston, and we saw what Rob Gray did last year in the tournament, and they owned one of the most iconic moments in March last year. So I think that Houston program is in good shape as much as we might want to, like, snicker and chuckle at Kelvin Sampson and his ways, uh, in the past, but maybe he's on the up and up now, and has that team on the right. We love that we got Hurley at UConn to kind of re- resurrect that program and bring them bring them back to where they belong on the national landscape. Love that Penny. By the way, let's just have this conversation right now. Can we? Can we guys? We need to talk let's about Penny. Oh, I, I want to. It, it, no, <laughs> if Penny gets the number one prospect in the nation to go to Memphis, does <laughs> Memphis automatically? come out of the mid-major conversation and go kind of in that Nevada and Gonzaga category? Yes. Does that happen for it's me? It's a throwback I'm, to
1: the Rose year. I'm all be a on throw the Pennyhide train, okay? Look, yeah. he made Sprite relevant on the national <laughs> landscape for me. As a, as a young man yeah. drinking a lot of Sprite, so yeah, I'm all in on Penny and Memphis.
2: Yeah, and, and you know he he had entertained Larry Brown there being his being his assistant for quite a while, and even Larry Larry Brown came away from it saying, "Look, you know Penny doesn't even need me. He doesn't even need me around. He he's got this. So you know if Larry Brown is going to anoint you, and I don't think Larry Brown's anointed anyone. I think he just he likes to just walk well, away. Also, um, you know that tells you Penny's doing some things I right. Just,
1: Not only the, like, NBA hype, and I mean, he, if, like, you live through that time and we're an NBA fan, you love Penny. I mean, you can't help but love him. And then also, I just think, I'm sure there's recruiting specialists who know much more about this than I do, but he owns the AAU scene around that area. Like, literally owns it. I mean, Mm -hmm. maybe that's a bad choice of words, but he, you know, had his own teams, and, like, his friends all have teams, and, like... Mike Miller has a team, right? They all like. Right. So if you come out of that AAU program, who do you think you're going to go play for in
3: college? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. That, I, I think. Yeah. No, I was going to say, I think that's worth having a conversation about. this. Memphis automatically jump back to, like, uh, I don't know, a Calipari type? situation when they get the number one recruit in the nation. I I think that's a worthy conversation.
2: Yeah, and you you look at that run that Calipari had there. I mean, just great tournament success. Obviously, the loss in overtime to Kansas somewhat Uh defined the end of that Memphis run with Derrick Rose. Um, But what a run there. And I mean, tell you, you know, the road to the national championship was coming through the AAC at one point. And now it's not, but um, but you know it's still there. It's still, arguably, at least in my opinion, one of the most successful mid-major conferences.
1: I, I even think there's some teams that are going to sneak up on you this year, like UCF, mm-hmm. which I, I think was projected pretty high. And I know yep. I know Gus, you've been pretty high on them. I mean, Aubrey Dawkins is is when you talk about you want somebody who's like a stud and somebody who yeah. can take over a game. To my mind, he can be that guy. I think they're going to have some pretty good defense they just have to generate that offense and um so I mean I know you've been high on them they had a rough they they lost to Florida Atlantic at home which is tough but I mean how do you feel about them coming off that loss even
3: so here's what I'm going to say about the conference as a whole I think the conference as a whole has the identity as a defensive I mean Wichita State aside last year when they were in the hundreds for Ken Palm but I think all of your top teams there are going to be defensive teams and I think that, that you know the, the, the Central Florida team falls directly into that. And I think if you have, and this goes back to one of our previous conversations, of like what is going to be a defining factor that you're going to identify in March that's going to give a top team trouble? Guess what? They have it. They have taco fall. They run a zone offense around that guy that takes chances on the perimeter because he's going to clean up stuff on the inside if you miss out on your mistake on the perimeter. So they do have a construct that is viable for March success, it just depends on whether they can make enough buckets. And I think that goes with any team in this conference. Can they score enough to help and complement the defensive prowess that I think almost every team in this conference is going to have?
2: Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, that, um, go ahead, Taylor.
3: We haven't even really touched
1: on some of the, like the more traditional names like Cincinnati who, you know, let Ohio State come in and beat them up at home, but right. you know Cincinnati and they have that's the com- same
0: Cincinnati team we've seen in the last five years. I mean, there's nothing the, different.
1: I'm sorry, that's great. That makes for a tough conference. Cumberland is a great player. Uh, you know, SMU. I feel like they're at a level where their program is pretty good. You can expect them to be pretty good each year. So, I mean, I, I like this conference a lot. I think I think they're they're pretty strong.
2: Yeah, and and, and what? Go ahead, Gus. Sorry. You
3: no, know, you know, I was just gonna say I think that early on we have a bad taste in our mouth about this conference, but I think as the season rolls on, there's going to get a little bit more and more shine.
2: Yep. And, and to close the circle on our six degrees of separation from arguably the greatest, um, you know, upset of all time, in my opinion, as a mid major fan before UNBC. we do have the former coach of Florida Gulf coast now coaching in the ACC with ECU Joe Dooley. So he brings us back full circle to uh to our to the end of our story there um you know gus thank you so much for contributing your time to us to review these conferences you know i I think that we get so locked down in focus on the acc that we are sometimes a little oblivious to what happens outside of it to the depth that you and uh mike randall are able to dive into on scs um and, and again, listeners, you got to check them out. Screen the screener. They, they really do good work over there. Um, you know, just the overall formatting and what they're able to deliver us to everyone else consistently, I think, is, is bar none the best in the game right now. So do your, do your work, do your homework, listeners, and go out and listen to them. And thank you so much, Gus, for participating.
1: Gus, you want to pick a couple games that involve bid majors uh, coming up and
3: ACC teams before you go? Uh, sure, if you want to run them down, I'll give you a one-liner on them. Go Here's,
1: for it. I, Let's just do. Let's do three. I already know what one of yours is going to be. So uh, Duke is taking on San Diego State in the Maui Invitational. Duke projected as the thirteen-point favorites right now.
3: Give me a break. When are they going to play a road game? I mean, travel. <laughs> no, is not one until the-
0: January seventh. Actually, that's the right. official
3: date. So travel is one of the most broadening educational factors for all. People in history going back to, like, the 1700s. Oh, I like you can that. Your, you can lock yourself in a room and read a whole bunch of books. You can go to school forever. Or you can travel and see the world and learn. When are they going to go travel <laughs> and a game? When is he going to educate his student-athletes? That's what I want to know. When are they going to win that game? That's what I want to know. And by the way, uh, McDaniels is going to totally ball out. and I think he might play even with some of those Duke Wings. But let's go uh, – let's take Duke and the points there.
1: Okay. Next one. Uh, <laughs> Syracuse uh, going to Madison Square Garden. I love that Garden. the
2: preface I, of that was I'm going to give you a one-liner. and no, he, I love I'm so excited He about goes that. off about student-athletes education and traveling abroad. That, that has been I mean, very
1: poetic that travel yeah. since the 17th yes. century. is Yeah. Um, Syracuse <laughs> looking to be 11-point favorites against UConn in Madison Square Garden.
3: How about this? How about we just kick it old school? Can we kick it old school and go six overtimes? Is that oh, overtimes? Man.
2: the battle for the New York where, fan base? Where, where here. Is Jerry Syracuse Yukon.
3: Let like let, let let's bring that game back and revisit that. That sounds good to me. I'm down with that. Little old school big East. Yeah, let's do that. <laughs> so Yukon.
2: Yeah, take the points.
1: All right, last one. Uh and we already got a taste, but I just want to hear it again. Louisville projected to only be eight point favorites, maybe against yeah. Vermont? I don't
0: care if it was it was a pick em. I'm going Vermont. I don't know about you guys, but let's hear from Gus.
3: Yeah, that, that's an easy one. <laughs> <laughs> that's the easiest one of the
2: year? <laughs> Oh man, good stuff. Well, Luke, you you have some contact information for Gus that we can put out. Let's I mean, just so everybody this. can find him. Yeah, Let's I, I want to do this. it again. I want to get this man as many follows and likes and listens as is humanly possible. I, I'm willing to give it all up now. We'll just push all of our subscribers. Let me tell you guys. something. He'd be <laughs>
0: disappointed. this day and age, are bad at rewinding. So here's what they're gonna do. Here's the drill. You're gonna listen to this information, and you're gonna immediately go to this podcast and hit subscribe. Yes. Screen the screener. Podcast. Check it out. It'll come up. It'll be the first result. Don't worry, folks. And you can follow them on Twitter at S T H E S podcast. That's the handle. Gus Kearns, our guest. Phenomenal insights. And that's a lot of ground to be covered. Yeah. You went all over the place. You went so con. You did you hit the Mac? You you definitely hit the big sky. You were all over the place, yeah, and he was a very willing and knowledgeable guest. Every fastball you threw him, he just knocked it out. Yeah, of the park. he's
2: just so accommodating and so knowledgeable. I mean, just thank you again. Really appreciate it.
3: So when do I send you guys a
2: check for all these compliments? <laughs> <laughs> oh man, yeah, we're gonna send you a T shirt. That's what we're gonna yeah, do. Yeah, let's we're, send them a T shirt. Stop yeah, promising yeah. T shirts. We uh, ran out. No, no, stop no. promising T shirts no, to people. I got you, Gus. We're gonna get your size all fair. I'm gonna send you one. No problem. I got
3: you all right Uh, luke (laughs) Luke, taylor and vegas mike thank you so much for having me on the podcast it was an awesome unbelievable time i love the collaboration that we had rolling luke thanks for visiting our podcast and listeners listeners out there i hope that you enjoy everything that luke taylor and mike bring to you guys like each time you hit them up on your podcast vehicle so this is such a joy to join you guys thank you so much for having me
0: we're gonna run this back maybe in january (laughs) late january so stay tuned okay yeah thank you thank you sir all right man cheers
2: guys what a pleasure that was! I know that I was I was I very down, complimentary, okay. <laughs> of Gus. But you don't get that kind of knowledge know. every day. I mean, you it were was, taking them all over the map as well. Yeah, and I just you know so many nuggets in there. What you guys have to do, listeners, you have to go back through that. You have to comb through it like you're combing the stones, trying to calm yourself down in some Japanese garden. Yeah. Okay, just go through and pull out your little nuggets. This
0: is a podcast that should be re-listened to, folks. I do that. Yeah. I actually re-listen sometimes. The podcast. You should do that. I don't there's, care if you do the two times speed, but you should. Yeah, yeah that was a lot That was
1: fantastic.
2: There. Yeah, he's I mean,
1: very knowledgeable. It's great to have him on.
0: Very dense. When, when
2: you say, "Hey, you know, let me let me ask you about a mid major you like," and the man, the first thing out of the guy's mouth is Cal State Fullerton. I mean, come on! It was who doesn't it, love it, that. It was, <laughs> it was a little
1: too real for me in that moment. I, I yeah, almost couldn't take it. I
2: could tell. I could tell you weren't quite ready for that. You were like, "Oh, do you mean the Gauchos? I'm like, "No, Taylor, it's not the." Freaking Galvez <laughs> you UC Santa Barbara. <laughs> well,
1: I mean, everybody hates that feeling of come March being the guy who's like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I know about Loyola because I heard, you know, you gotta call Bill's those people talk out. Him. You, you gotta hate, call them out. You hate to be the guy because there's like, a oh, lot yeah. of posers what about these out guys? There? There's a lot of posers out there.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Well, it's hard to know. Come March. That's why we're trying to help you out.
2: Yeah. Well, there. We talked to one very clear non-poser Don't be out a poser. L-
1: yeah.
0: Yeah.
2: That was, Heed that was
0: this wisdom. And and you'll be uh, you'll be granted gratitude in March.
2: Yeah. So I, I wish I could even summarize it, but look, listeners, go back, listen to it again. Um, we're gonna we're gonna put another pot out here shortly tonight and uh, release it later today. Um, so, anyways, in, enjoy that with Gus Kearns, and make sure you re-listen throughout the year.
0: That'll do it for our special edition mid-major deep dive.